right, awesome day. We got a lot to do today, so let's get into the message as quick as we can because uh, we've actually got a couple things we need to do at the close of this service. So uh, we want to get into the message. And like last week, uh, we're wrapping up the Pray Strong series, and I told you about four people in our church, four people that have been unemployed, some of them for six months or longer, and how in two weeks' time, right in the middle of this Pray Strong series, in two weeks' time, all four of them got jobs. Told you about that last week, right? Can I tell you this week? The last couple of weeks, uh, and, and I can't give you details because it's ob- these are obvious uh, uh, situations that are, are confidential, but in the last two weeks, we've been praying for a couple of marriages that have uh, really been going through a tough time. And in the last two weeks, amazing things have begun happening that, uh, you know, we tear our marriages up for months and months and months, you know, and then we come to God and want Him to fix them overnight. But can I tell you, that's about almost, you know, it's not going to be fixed overnight. But God has done that kind of a thing. So thank God for that. Amen. And, and I'll tell you, tell you something else happened this week. Uh, actually, over the last couple of weeks is how this has transpired as well. It's kind of like, you know, we got this two-week theme kind of going here. It seems like, you know, all these prayers being answered together. Uh, our daughter, Kristen, has had, um, has had something wrong with her left leg uh, almost all of her life. I know back to her teenage years, and her left leg is always swollen. Uh, some, at times it would be swollen and visibly, most of the time, visibly larger than her right. And it sometimes gives her a lot of pain. She's been to doctor after doctor after doctor after doctor. They can't figure out what, I mean, this is for years. You know, she stands on it a lot um, uh, here, here at church working with kids. And she needs she need healing from this. And, you know, no, nothing has been, and so finally, finally doctors, uh, uh, finally a doctor found it this past week, or uh, two weeks ago they found it. And they, did a, they did a procedure on her. And when she woke up, uh, woke up from the procedure, uh, Bradley, her, her, my son-in-law, he, he told her, he said, it looks to me like it's already back to the same size as the other one. And so she's already on the mend. And so we just thank God for that, that he, that, you know, that he put us in touch with somebody that could, uh, that could get that. And I know that sound, may not sound like to some of you a healing, but to a dad who's been watching his daughter walk around in pain like that, thank God for a healing. Somebody say amen. And let me give you one more. You want one more before we go to the message? Yeah, let me give you one more is uh, this past week, there was a, a young man, um, about 13, 14 years old, I forget, I think because I think that's what the text was from April, uh, a member of their extended family that had been in a bad car accident. And uh, we, we started praying for them. We sent word out, and we were beginning to pray for him. And uh, then she, she let us know, I think it was Friday, you told us they were going to pull, pull the tubes out, that, that um, they were going to disconnect and pull the tubes out. Doctor said he was brain dead. He had, had uh, bruising on the brain. And uh, they, they said, you know, there, there was nothing happening there. And so they were going to allow him to die. And so then later when the nurses came to begin to pull the tubes out, he reached over and grabbed her hand. And the doctors have said that, the, that he's not completely healed. He's not fully awake yet. The doctors have said the, the bruising on the brain has disappeared. And they said, the doc, I'm not telling you this, the doctor said it is a miracle. Would somebody give God a hand of praise for that? <laughs> Amen. <clears throat> so anybody need a miracle today? Come on. The Pray Strong series is over, but don't forget, pray specific, pray according to your covenant, the blood of Jesus, faith in that covenant, and pray the Word of God. Okay, because this morning, we're not totally changing gears. We're going into a new series on greater than, but I don't want you to forget what we've learned over the last three weeks, and, and, and also what God has shown us in our prayers and how he's ministering. 
Let me give you a, just, uh, and we haven't prayed yet. I know we haven't prayed yet, but let me give you a couple of verses of Scripture real quick before we get into the message. And this is the book of Matthew chapter 12, verse 41, 42. It says, The men of Nineveh will stand up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. Okay, what Jesus is saying is, this generation that we live in right now today, he's talking about when he was here 2,000 years ago, but I think we could say that about us here today as well, that they were not believing Okay, and he said that the, genera- the men of Nineveh, that generation, will stand in judgment of this generation and condemn it. For the men of Nineveh repented at the preaching of Jonah, a prophet. You remember who Jonah was? He was also the guy who ran off and said, "I don't want to do what." I mean, you know. So he wasn't he, he wasn't always on board with God, but they repented at his preaching. And now something greater than Jonah is here. Also, the queen of the south, uh, we call the queen of Sheba, that came to see Solomon. She will rise at the judgment, and she will condemn this generation also, for she came from the ends of the earth to listen to Solomon's wisdom, and now something greater than Solomon's Solomon's wisdom is here, and people don't want to listen to it. It's what he's saying, and so it will be condemned. Something greater. What is this something that is greater than? Greater than the prophet and the word that was spoken by Jonah, and greater than the wisdom of Solomon. I'm going to tell you about that in the sermon a little later, okay? But that's what we're talking about, something greater than, greater than the words spoken by Jonah that turned an entire city around, greater than the wisdom of Solomon, who is called the wisest man. What is greater than? Tell you about that. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, I love you and thank you, God, for uh, your presence that has filled this place. God, I thank you, Lord, for the praise reports. God, I thank you for Austin. I just ask you to finish, Lord, that healing. Finish Christians healing. God, finish these two, these uh, two families, God, that you're ministering to. I just pray you finish that healing that is going on there. Got so many things happening. And just pray, God, that you would hear today as well. Let somebody, uh, let somebody realize, God, that you are the God that heals. You are the God that delivers. You're the God that saves. You're the God that brings peace. You're the God, God that you are greater than everything, every every need we have, God, every question that we have. And I just pray, God, you challenge us today in Jesus' name. And everybody said. Amen. Okay, that means you agree with what I just prayed, so always listen if you're going to say amen with me, all right? Because right, I just said God challenges, right? Right. So are you up to the challenge? There's a story told about a missionary to China who had such talents and abilities and was so successful that an American company tried to hire him. They went to him with an awesome salary package and said, we want to hire you, man. You've got, you've got it. We want to hire you. We believe you can help turn our, our, our company around, and he declined. So they went back, you know, and they thought about it. And they, so they said, well, we can increase the salary. So they increased the salary, went back to him the second time. And he turned him down the second time. The third time when they came back to him, they had doubled the entire financial package, not just the salary, everything. And so they, they, they gave their best feel and they laid it on really heavy to him and, and, and shared it with him and said, you know, this is what we've increased it to. And, and we really want you to come. And when I was, when I was reading this story, you know, I was thinking, oh man. I hope he didn't blow it right then. But you know what he told him? He said, you don't understand. It's not that your salary is too little, but the job is too small. Because he was already working for something greater than anything they could offer. And, and so often we put everything in, the money and the salary package. And yeah, because we got to provide for our family, right? And one of these days we're going to retire. And my goodness, who knows if Social Security is going to be there when I get there, right? I mean, so we got to, oh, I understand all that. But so many times we mortgage or, or forfeit our spiritual lives for something in this world. 
You, you understand that if you were working for Jesus, and I don't mean, I don't mean like full time, like maybe I do, but if you're working for Jesus, you're working for something greater than, you're working for the greatest thing, greater than everything else in the world. There is no amount of money that can compensate for that. Don't let anybody buy you out. And I don't mean just money. I mean even your time. Don't let anybody buy you out. God challenges us. Jesus challenges us. You want to see the challenge? Look at Luke with me. Uh, this is the scripture I used this past week with, with, uh, with leaders. Luke chapter 9, verse 23 says, Then he said to them all, talking about Jesus, he said, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. Now, that's a challenge, isn't it? Listen, listen to what he's saying. You have to deny yourself. Okay, that, that is totally contradictory. Everything else going on in our culture today. I mean, it's supposed to be all about me, isn't it? Not supposed to be about somebody else. Deny yourself. Take up your cross. What does that symbolize to you? You know, it, it didn't say, you know, take up your ice cream cone. You know, it didn't say take up your, you know, your, you know, your fishing rod. Or the, and no, I didn't say take up those. Take up your cross and do it daily. Not just Sunday morning, hour, hour, 10 minutes that we have together here. Take up your cross daily and follow after Jesus. I mean, that, that kind of sounds, yeah, it sounds heavy. You know why? Because it is heavy. He didn't challenge us to little things. Uh, there's a quote that I've got here from uh, James Scott. I don't even know this man, but I, re- I read this in an article this week. He said, Jesus didn't call people to baby steps. I love that. He didn't call people to baby steps. You know, sometimes I think we water down the challenge on Sunday morning because we don't want to scare anybody off. But what we end up doing, we scare off the ones who really want to challenge. They said, well, man, if this, is good, if, it, if this is all you want, let me go find somebody that really want because I got something inside of me that I can do. And so I want you to know, Jesus didn't call you to baby steps. I agree. He confronted us and them with challenges so big that to respond would mean turning their lives upside down. That's how big the challenge is from Jesus. He didn't want to tweak you. You didn't need, did you need tweaking? I mean, when you came to Jesus, if, if you're a Christian, did you need tweaking? Or did you need your life turned upside down? I mean, did you not need some changes made in your life? You didn't, you didn't need tweaking. Come on, some of you spouses, you could say, yeah, yeah, he needed tweaking, right? Or yeah, yeah, needed a lot more than tweaking. Something great. We needed greater than tweaking. We needed our lives turned upside down. I mean, that's why we come to most people that just, that think all they need is a little tweak. They don't turn their life over to Jesus. They don't do that because, you know, I, I'm almost there and I'm going to get there. That's why Jesus didn't even, didn't even bother with them. Didn't even say, let me, let me talk to those of you who just need to No, he, he turned people's lives upside down. Like the woman who was caught committing adultery, but she was having an affair. They brought her to Jesus. You remember what Jesus told her? He didn't just forgive her, her of her sin. He also said, go and sin no more. What? Listen to what he's saying. What is he telling her? Here's a woman standing before him having an affair, and what does he say? He says, now, I forgive you of your sin, but go home and break that off. That's what he said. He said, you got to change this. You cannot continue in this relationship anymore. You need to go break that off and quit having that affair. I mean, this is more than just, this is greater than just forgiveness. This is life change that God wants to put into your life because he wants you to start living in blessing instead of living in trouble. I mean, some of you need to reexamine some relationships that you have and, and, and listen if God might be telling you, you need to cut those off because those are bringing destruction and pain and trouble into your life. I mean, you may not be saying amen about yourself, but you know somebody in your family that you'd say amen about that, right? Because you, you know, you know that that's right where they are. Is that, is that they've got people in relationships 
in their life that are bringing trouble constantly. And, and, and Jesus Christ is saying, you got to break that up. Go ahead and give me that scripture that, that's right there. It's just that little phrase that's right there where it says, go and sin no more in John chapter 8, verse 11. He said, go and sin no more. Go break that relationship off. There's a rich young man who has kept, uh, who has kept all, of it, all the commandments all of his life. But he comes to Jesus and asks him a question. Because you know what? Because he knows something else is still missing. I've kept all the commandments all of my life, but something is still me. I've paid tithes. I, I go to the temple and I pray. I do all of that, but something inside of me is still missing. And so he asked Jesus, you know what Jesus says? Oh, wow. Talk about challenge. Look at this challenge. This next phrase right here. He says, he says, go and sell your possessions. You know, now he didn't tell you to sell your possessions. He didn't tell me to sell my possessions, but he told this man, you got to sell your possessions because he tried everything else and something was still missing inside of him. And Jesus said, okay, go sell your possessions because your life needs to be turned upside down. You know, you are so close, but you don't just need tweaking, buddy. I mean, you're, you're keeping all the commandments. You're paying your tithes. You're going to the temple and praying, but you don't need tweaking. There is still so much in your life. They just got to be turned upside down. The only thing that's going, you're going to have to accept this challenge to let it be turned upside down. He, he's offering us something greater than just to feel good. I mean, doesn't it feel good to write that check a couple of weeks ago? You know, say, man, I'm helping support this missions team going to Romania. Man, I'm going to write this $5 check. It's really going to bless them to get to, get to Romania. Doesn't it, you know, it gives you that warm fuzzy about feeling good. This is greater than a feel-good. What Jesus is challenging you to is greater than a feel-good. What he is challenging you to is something that can give your life meaning. This man, I mean, he had all kinds of feel-good about going to the temple and praying about, you know, giving a good offering here or there or whatever. And Jesus said, no, you, you need more than a feel-good. You need something that, that makes life meaningful. That's what he was saying. Something's still missing, and Jesus is trying to give it to them. And for him, the personal challenge was, you have to sell what you've got and turn it all upside down. And to all of us, let me give you one that he, that he spoke to all of us. You know what, he, you know what challenge he gave to every one of us? He said, pray or uh, love your enemies and pray for those who trouble you. Uh, I like trouble you, persecute you. We don't use that word around here a whole lot, but those who trouble you. Anybody been troubled? I started to ask, anybody got any enemies? But I didn't want you to raise your hand. I was afraid they might be sitting behind you. Anybody, but anybody been troubled? What does he say to do with the trouble? Pray for the ones that brought you the trouble. Talk about a challenge. Love your enemies. The people that have been, that have been your mortal enemies for 5, 10, 20 years. Pray for, love your enemies. I mean, what a challenge that he gives to us. You know, not to just tweak you. You know, you need to feel better about, no, 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 no don't feel better about your enemies. Love your enemies. You, you've been, they've been your enemy since they did something to you five years ago and you're still mad about it and you don't want to give it. No, this is, this is so much greater than that. Here's the thing you need to realize. Is, is you're still letting that trouble destroy your life and chances are they haven't thought about you in five years since they hurt you the last time. You know, you're not turning them loose when you listen to him and say, love your enemies, pray for those who trouble you. You're not turning them loose. You're turning yourself loose. You see, this is greater than just a forgiveness that you give. This is a life. This is a blessing. This is life in abundance that he wants to give to you if you just listen. You see, the challenges that he, that he gives to us, they, man, sometimes they're, they're big challenges. But he gives us big challenges because he wants to give us big blessings. It's a sowing 
and reaping things. I mean, you know, if all you're doing is letting God tweak you a little bit, well, no wonder. Your financial trouble is just getting a little tweaking from God every once in a while. You're getting a 10-cent raise here and there and those kinds of things, you know. I mean, if you really want God to do something, then you're going to have to allow Him to challenge you beyond just a little tweak. You're going to have to accept a greater challenge. You're going to have to, to step up and say, I receive, I want the challenge. So, 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 so think about it for a moment. What is the challenge that He's given you? I mean, the one you've not yet stepped up to. What is that challenge? Because that may be the challenge that you need to, you need to answer and you need to step up to so then He can bring to pass whatever it is you need in your life. Until you do that, until you accept that big challenge, man, don't, it, don't even expect big blessings. I mean, you wonder why, man, why, I don't understand why they got, and I didn't. Well, maybe it's because they accepted the challenge. I can't tell they did a whole lot. It's not up to me and you to look and figure. All we can do is just say, whatever God challenges us to, then we've got to accept and do. And then we can say, let me show it to you in Scripture. Okay, Acts chapter 2. Let me show you the sowing and reaping thing, even about challenges and blessings right here. And the Lord added to the number daily those who were being saved, Acts 2, 47. You see it? Maybe you don't see it there. Think about what we read just a moment ago. Luke chapter 9, the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. There's a word right here that was also in Luke chapter 9, that verse. You remember? You see that word? It's just stuck right there in the middle. I meant you all. Daily. See it? It was there. Remember Jesus said... Those who are going to be my disciples have to deny themselves and take up their cross daily. Daily, not Sunday mornings, not for just a little while, daily. Y'all know what daily means? Everybody know what daily means? <laughs> yeah, it means Sunday and Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday. All of them have day in them, right? Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Daily means every one of them. And you know what? The verse right before you, Acts chapter 2, verse 46, says that's exactly what they were doing. Read it. It says that every day they were doing these things. And so what, was, what did God do? He added to the church daily. daily. People were being saved daily. Why? Because there was a daily commitment. And because there was a daily commitment and a daily acceptance, a daily stepping up to the challenge that Jesus gave them, there were daily blessings. I mean, you know, daily Commitment brings daily blessings because when you sow daily, you will reap daily. When you give to God daily, you will receive from God daily. I mean, you want to you want to know why Monday through Saturday is not as good as Sunday? Maybe because you're only pouring into God on Sunday. You know, if you want to see the blessings on Monday through Saturday, then you got you got to do what they did. You got you got to commit. On Monday, Tuesday, wait, you got to commit daily and, and not just, not just for this hour. You know, and, and of course, we're not going to stay here in this building. I got to talk to you about that in just a moment. But that's not what this is about. It's not about staying here. That's not what the commitment is. This is, this is just, this is just this moment we're right here, but this is part of the commitment. It's the beginnings of it, but there's a commitment that, that we got to, we got to step up to accept the challenge on a daily basis. See if we want daily blessings. Don't you need daily blessings? I mean, you, you didn't just need a blessing here for a few moments this morning, did you? I mean, you know, right now, I, you know, pay my tithes. Well, God's already blessed me, and that's why I've got a tithe to pay. So, hey, all of my financial needs are met for this moment, right? I mean, I, you know, I don't need anything else. I've got it handled. I've got it taken care of. It's tomorrow that I've got a problem. But if I'm not being obedient tomorrow, if I'm not accepting the challenge tomorrow, if I'm not committed to him tomorrow, how can I ask him tomorrow to show up for me when I haven't shown up for him? You see? 
Let me tell you, Sundays are awesome around 29-11. Sundays are tremendous around. But we have a message that is greater than Sunday. Okay, follow me here. I hope, I hope you will. We have a message that is greater than Sunday. Because our Sunday, for an hour and ten minutes, let me tell you something. This message that you and I have to share with the world is bigger. It is greater than an hour and ten minutes. Come on, somebody ought to say amen to that. I mean, you know, it is greater than the 30-minute sermon I can pour into you. The message that we have is greater than this word that's coming out of me right now. It's greater than that. The, the message that we have, it, it is more moving than the 20 minutes of praise and worship that our, our worship team can, can lead you in on a Sunday morning. Our, our, our message is greater than Sunday morning. It is greater than that. And, and, but here's the problem is the world doesn't know that. The world thinks we're all about Sunday morning. wonder where they got that idea. From us, right? Because aren't we all about Sunday morning? Isn't it all about Sunday morning? Sunday mornings are important. But Sunday mornings are more, more than just, more than just what sometimes we, we take them for. Let me take you again to another uh, sanctuary uh, from Tom Rainer. This word sanctuary. Uh, Tom Rainer is uh, uh, has uh, man. He's been studying churches, studying their growth and decline over the years. And he said this: the typical church today has become a place to retreat from the world, rather than a place of rearmament to engage the world with the gospel. Sanctuary. My goodness, let me tell you something. I'm going to declare it right now as pastor of Church 2911. Our next at our next space, our next building, our big room is going to have a different name than sanctuary. I don't know what it's going to be, but it's, I was thinking about it this week. I said, yeah, definitely. I've already been thinking that, but when I get in the middle of this message and I'm, thinking, I'm saying sanctuary, and what, the way we look at sanctuary, what is sanctuary? You know what sanctuary is? I mean, the, you know, the hunchback of Notre Dame, sanctuary. You know, you know what I'm talking about? You know, sanctuary, sanctuary. I mean, he's looking for a place of sanctuary. That's the way we are. I mean, Tom Rainer, he's nailing us right here. We see the world and all the troubles, and what do we want to do? We want to run to church and hide out. Come on, somebody say Amen. That's what we want to run in. Sanctuary, God, give us some sanctuary. We got to have some relief from this. Now that's okay for a little while, but the hunchback could never leave Notre Dame, and that's not the university. Okay, some of y'all need to know a little bit. I'll, I'll explain that to you a little later. Okay, he could not leave because he was in sanctuary. There's a problem with that. Okay, we need a totally different word. Than sanctuary, okay? We need some, we need something else besides that word right there, sanctuary. We need something else to tell us because, let me, you like alliteration? I'm gonna give you a little three point outline right here, a little alliteration with the word, with the letter W, okay? Let me tell you what, what this, this, I was thinking about it this week, so maybe we just need to call it the big room. We tried to call it the multi, multi, function room or whatever because we do all, everything in here. We're too big to use any place for the whole church, so we have to use this. We can't figure. Maybe we just call it the big room. I don't know. You know, because you put any name on it and you kind of kind of make it narrow. Let me give you just a little bit of a little bit of a three point outline, real quick, right here. Another. This is a whole sermon right here, but you'll have to preach it to yourself this week. Okay? Is this is a place? This room is a place where worshipers gather regularly to lift up and exalt the name of Jesus Christ. This is a place where the wounded come. Because they've been beaten, they've been battered, they've been used, they've been abused, they've been destroyed, and they've been wounded. 
and they come for care and prayer, some encouragement, somebody to say, you can make it, and I'm going to be praying for you. And this is the place where the warriors show up on Sunday to get just a, a moment's rest from the battles that they've been winning because they're on the winning side. And they, they come to be retrained for the next week and re-equipped for the next week and challenged with a great challenge to not be tweaked and go out, but challenged with a great challenge to be soldiers of the army of God and get out there to the field again and win this week's battles also. That's what this room is about. It's not about sanctuary. It's not about finding a place to rest. You, you ever heard that? I was saying, I'll sleep when I'm dead. You know, you're going to rest when you did. You'll be rested from your labors after you die. This is a time of battle. This is a time because our enemy, he's not tweaking the world. He's ravaging the world. He's destroying the world. He's destroying families. He's destroying the very fiber of this nation. And if we just keep tweaking, let me tell you, churches close every week in this country. We don't open new churches every Sunday. So that, you know what? We're losing churches in this country. They're closing every week. Why? Because we've forgotten this is not a place to come to. This is a place to launch out from. We show up on Sunday to worship, to care for the wounded, and to get our fighting orders for the next week as warriors of God. And then we leave this place with a great challenge to see His will accomplished out there. That's, that's what this is about. And what, I was thinking just a little while ago, just kind of looked in the face of Robert right there, and I thought, man, what an awesome sermon to preach to the missions team right before they leave to go to Romania. Because you've got a great challenge, guys, before you this week. And we're going to pray over you in just a few moments. But one last thing, just about to wrap up here. One last scripture. You know, I, I told you a minute ago, we see the world and the world's troubles, and what do we, we want to run and hide, right? What does Jesus see? And what does he think? And what does he do? Matthew 9.36 says, when he saw the crowds, we see the crowds. You see the people picketing around the, the gay marriage stuff. You see the crowds? What do you think? You know? You see all that stuff. When you see the crowds, you know, you, you, see the, you see the posters and the invitations to the stuff that's going on in the world. I saw one this week. I said, I, I had to read it four times, I think, to say, I can't believe this. Seriously? This, this is actually something going on in our communities? You know, this one nation under God, this Bible Belt area? When you see the crowds, though, what do you think? When he saw the crowds, he was deeply moved with compassion for them. Man, it's so easy to get your righteous self-indignation, you know, to just say, oh, yeah, you, they're all going to hell. You know, it, 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 it's easy. But when Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were troubled and helpless. You know anybody troubled or helpless? You know, is there anybody in your life troubled or helpless? Do you work with someone who is troubled and helpless? You go to school with somebody who's troubled and helpless. Do you live in a home with someone who is troubled and helpless? You know somebody like that? When Jesus saw them, he had compassion on them because he saw them as sheep without a shepherd. Often, 
He prayed for them. At times he cried for them because they were sheep without a shepherd. And the, the, the final challenge I want to throw at you, I think we've all got some personal challenges in areas of morality and righteousness and things that we need to be doing with our lives, and maybe some obedience areas. The final challenge for every single one of you is that God challenges you to be a shepherd. Oh, wait, 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 but wait, Pastor. No, you're the shepherd. No, no, no. Show me that in Scripture. Pastors are shepherds. Nobody else is. Nobody else needs to do these things that we talk about with the shepherds. Show me that in Scripture. So, oh, well, over there it talks about shepherding the flock. Yeah, the flock. Okay, I might be your shepherd, but you're somebody else's shepherd. I might be the shepherd of this flock. We're a flock, but you're the shepherd out there. You know, see, those, there are those out there. Oh, I know, he told Simon Peter, yeah, feed my sheep. My sheep, that was to Simon Peter, but we all have this calling to reach out to those who are troubled and helpless. You know anybody troubled or helpless? Okay, you don't have to do it with your physical hand, but do it with your spiritual hand here for just a moment. Raise your hand spiritually, just say, mm, yeah, I do. I mean, think about it. You just say, yep, I do. I know somebody troubled and helpless. I want to ask you to do something. Would you, we gotta, uh, would you come to the front with me? We all like to gather in front of the clothes. Just stand, if you will. Let's come to the front. We're going to sing a last song. I want to share one last little point with you. If you're a first-time attender, uh, you don't have to come, but we'd love to have you. We, we always invite everybody to come. We don't do anything weird at the front. Just come join us. Just join us here for this closing. I've got one last little point I want to make with you here. Thank you for being here. One last little thing. When you we see that last phrase, just press on in if you can and get us close. We see that last phrase there, sheep without a shepherd. What do you what do you what do you what comes to your mind? What what kind of picture do you get? Let me tell you three things real quick. There Sheep that don't have a shepherd are confused, they get lost, they get scattered, they need somebody to kind of say, hey, let me give you some direction here. Okay, they die from thirst and hunger because they don't know where to find what they need. They don't even know how to search for it. They need somebody to say, here's the green grass, here's the cool water, and they're in danger of being devoured by the wild animals and the wolves that are out there. They need a shepherd with a staff. Get rid of the wolves. Or maybe like uh, David uses a sling. So how do you care for those? So, so draw, this, draw this picture. I'm, I'm, I'm issuing the challenge. I, I, believe, I fully believe that this is the challenge that the church has from, from God. It's I'm not the only shepherd in this house. I'm just the shepherd of this house. You're the shepherd out there. Wherever it is you walk every day and you see trouble, helpless people, you're supposed to be a shepherd. Meet these three needs. These are the three things they need. Is they're lost. Share with them this message that is greater than a Sunday morning hour and 10 minutes. Share with them this message. You know, I don't know what to share with them. Tell them. I gave you four praise reports last week. I gave you four more this morning. I mean, that, there's plenty of stories there. You want some more? I got some more because I, I, can't, I can't tell you about all the things that are going on. God's blessing. God's meeting needs. Tell them. Tell, just tell them. You know, don't, you know, don't tell them what you heard on Oprah, you know, you know back before Oprah got well there. Don't, don't tell you what you learned from Dr. Phil and those things. Tell them what you learned from God, how God helps you. Secondly, you know, give them some guidance. Give them some direction. Tell them where to find the food. They don't even know where to look. They don't even know how to search. 
for the stuff that they're dying for on the inside. They don't even know where. Tell them. And listen, you heard me say it. You've been here a while. If you don't brag about this church, go find you one. Everybody should attend a church that they brag about. Why? Because people out there don't even know how to search for the, for, for the green grass and the water that they so desperately need in their spiritual soul. And you need to be out there saying, well, let me, let me tell you just what's blessing me at my church. I mean, come find you a church, you know, and I hope this is it. But man, if, if, if there's not something exciting going on here that you can test, go find one that you say, man, let me tell you, you need to come to my church. Because, man, there's some awesome stuff going on here. And the third thing is fight for it. Pray strong. Pray specific. Pray covenant by the blood, the faith that you have in the blood of Jesus. Pray the word of God over them. And listen, you may not be one of those that's going to say, let's pray right now. But tell them, say, I'm going to pray. I'll be praying for you. If you get that opportunity. I mean, they may be weirded out by that. You may not feel like you can't, but you really need to try if you can. Pray for them. When you, when you walk away from that, start praying right there and say, God, give me, give me a scripture. Remind me of a scripture that I can just pray over them right now. Ask and start praying for them. Fight for them. God's called us to an awesome challenge. God's called us to an awesome challenge. Let's answer. Let's answer. Because this message that we have is greater than an hour and ten minutes. Next week, we'll talk, take something that's even greater than that. And next week, I'll go ahead and tell you. Because this is an awesome week to invite somebody that's troubled or helpless. Next week, I'm going to tell you about a God that is greater than all of our troubles. So this is the week to invite somebody that is troubled to come to church next Sunday. Okay? Bow with me for a moment. I want to pray over you. I want to ask God to challenge you with that person that He so desperately wants to minister to. That person who's like a lost sheep. That person who is scattered and who has no direction, who does not know how to find the things they need so desperately in their life, who needs somebody to just pray over them and protect them, protect them from the wild, ravenous, spiritual, demonic wolves that's coming against them. You know, that's you. You're a shepherd. Would you accept the challenge today? Child of God, would you accept the challenge today to be a shepherd in the community? Come on, let's pray. Father, I just love you, God. And God, I just ask you today, Lord, God, that you just you use every one of us, not just me over this crowd, but God, every one of us. Challenge us, God. Use us, God, to shepherd the lost and the scattered and the hurting and the hungry and the thirsty and the dying and the ones that are in battle. Go ahead, Jamie, when you can.